Everybody, that was my attempt at doing the the big long uh, like kid like kid part at the start of the. Um. Anyway, hey guys, everyone, welcome to your favorite podcast about new metal. This is the POD Cast. This is episode number twenty two. I've already blown out your ears and speakers, uh, but I'm John Cullen, and I'm happy to be joined once again by a man who started an escort service for all the right reasons, Brian Quinby. You're damn right, I did. And I set up shop at the top of Four Seasons. Uh, uh, that didn't sound very good, that hey. I'm just going to let you know, John, I didn't find that to be a very good I know. Uh, well, I'm not, I'm not, kid rock scream. It's very hard to do in your own apartment, first of all, number one, I think. Um, oh, second yeah. of all, it's just, um, it's at a really high register. It's not easy to get that screechy, you know? Yeah, when we do Appetite for Destruction, though, dude, you are so set. <laughs> I think I'm by the time we get to that. Appetite for Destruction, we're, it's over. The show's probably yeah. over. If we've run out of albums <laughs> and we're like, you know what? Guns N' Roses were new metal. Then that's yeah. what we're probably... That's probably when the show's over, I think. Although, I mean, our friends at Roach Coach, I think, are getting like close to episode 200 at this point, or they might even be into the 200s already. So... You and I got a long way to go. This is only episode number 22. Uh, and if you hadn't figured it out by my very horrible impression off the start of the show, which I don't even know why I ever gave myself that like conceit where I say hello to people in the style of the singer, because I'm not a great singer, nor am I a great impressionist. Uh, but we are covering Kid Rock's Devil Without a Cause this month. Like, Brian, do you think you have a good, uh, a good Kid Rock impression? Well, yeah, I do, but I don't, you know, I, I think I do, but I don't have a good one. Give me a second here. I had to uh, get some snot out, but uh, my name is Kid. Not bad. Not bad, B-Man. I got to say. <laughs> Brian is just scrolling on his phone doing uh, <laughs> doing Kid Rock voice into the microphone. I'm not I wish you all I had that view. I I am paying it. I now it makes it sound like I'm not paying attention. No, I'm not, I didn't. I'm not really scrolling on my phone in any real way. I'm deleting emails, basically, oh, which I have nice. to okay. do. I mean, I have like two thousand of them that I got to delete. So sometimes in chunks I do it, and when I don't have anything to do with my hands, I just start deleting emails. That's just the way I do it, man. That's not a bad uh, way to. That's not a bad way to roll. Yeah, I yeah, think I don't like, check them. People would be like, I sent you an email about that. Did you get it? And I'm like, Fuck, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I hate like that emails. shit's gone. I, Even if I did get it, it's gone. I've I've I have probably sent 15 emails in 20 years. I would guess I just, I just don't email people. Yeah, I, I well, I kind of have to for work. I also think that like I do email and I do. um one thing that I do that I think a lot of people don't is I hate having any unread emails in my inbox. So I read them all. So my, my inbox is constantly 
at zero. It's constantly fresh. And it really drives me insane when I see people and they'll post like screenshots and they have like thousands of unread emails and hundreds of unread text messages. I'm like, what's your system here? Like th- that would just drive me nuts. Guess who has that going on with his phone <laughs> right here? I mean, I knew I as I soon like, as I started saying it that you were certainly a candidate for that. I have 38 unread messages. There's this app called Asana that they use to assign work in the Street Fight organization. I got six of those. I am probably open that app months, so they just know <laughs> not to find me there. Uh, I got two Venmo notifications. So, like, I, I have notifications all over. I don't mind it, really. I used to hate it, and I used to clear all my bubbles every night. But then one day, I didn't clear my uh, text messages, and I was like, you know what? It doesn't hurt that bad to not clear your text messages, so I just let them ride. And, you know, you get so many, like, like I get them from Sprint and stuff like that. I was like, I don't, I don't need to fucking read these the kratom guy text messages me it's just i don't need all that so i just don't look at them i just feel like it if if i had that situation then i would not then i'd be very unreliable to get a hold of like i feel like if i had if i had like 50 unread text messages what who cares about the 51st right like i'd just be like oh i got 51 now okay whatever who cares you know whereas if i have zero and when I get like one or two, it's like, oh, okay, those are requiring some sort of not necessarily urgent response, but like I'm, you know, I'm in the moment. I'm not like quadrupling back, you know, being like, oh, shit, that was from a week ago and I didn't respond or whatever. Yeah, I don't mind. I, I mean, if you text me, you're going to get a response from me. I, I can promise that I am very good about answering my text but if it doesn't seem if it's not from somebody i know then i just am like no because if i also if it's some person you know that i don't want to talk to and then it's like oh now i gotta open this up and it says i read it because i don't turn off red receipts because i don't know i just don't do a lot of that kind of stuff you know one thing about me is i'm a purist and I leave my red <laughs> receipts on and I've never blocked or muted anybody on Twitter. So that's just purity that I have. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah, I'm in it for the game. I love the game. You know? I wouldn't. And, and Twitter uh, is the game. I've definitely muted and blocked people. And I also, uh, yeah, I also don't have red receipts on. And it is funny. My friend. Uh, Kevin Banner, very funny Vancouver comedian. He's been a guest on Block Party a few times. Actually, messaged me the other day. He was like, uh, he was like, oh yeah, I I started following your buddy Murder Brian, and um, he really loves Twitter. Hey, <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, dude, I was like, Brian, most days just spends like eight to twelve hours walking around Columbus and tweeting. So I was like, that's why I was like, that's pretty much Brian's whole day. So because he's like, yeah, because I don't think Kevin follows that many people. So he's like, oh, my feed is like a lot of Brian. And I was oh, like, no, yeah. but I know, but he wasn't he wasn't me. even saying it bad. He was just like, <laughs> he just was surprised at how much you tweeted. And I was like, that's just I was like, that's how Brian rolls. He's a bit. He's a tweeter. He's 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 yeah, deep I mean, in, he's in the zone. Yeah, it's just such an easy little thing to do. And if I get bored, like, 
you know, when you tweet, people tweet back at you, and then it gives you something to do to sit and read the uh, replies yeah. to the tweets. And that's just kind of something I do. But, uh, you know, sometimes I during the summer, I put my phone in my pocket a lot more because I, I love the summertime, John. I love it. I love it. I love it. I like being outside. I like it when everything's green. I do this little thing where I tear leaves up while I walk and it feels really therapeutic and relaxing to me. Uh, like I, I grab leaves off of a tree and then I tear them on the veins in like an artistic way. It's very nice. It's it's relaxing. That is so, that sounds nice. <laughs> I like that you just added in an artistic way. Like that it wasn't that it was important for you to get out there, that it wasn't it wasn't just I tear leaves up. I do it in an artistic way. I do. I tear it along the veins a lot of times, and I do every other one on each side, and then they have this nice little skeleton look. Kind of like it. Yeah, I like that. I like that too. We would get like um obviously in Canada, and I grew up in Ontario where there's lots of maple trees. So when you get a maple leaf, it's especially uh, very satisfying because the, yeah, the maple leaves are kind of, they're obviously they've got a bunch of different sort of spiked sections. So you can sort of like rip off like sort of one kind of almost spike. It's, they're not spiky, like they don't hurt to touch, but they've just got a bunch of, if you're familiar with the Canadian flag, I mean, that's what a maple leaf looks like in life. So you can kind of just points is a better way of saying it than spikes you can just pull off the points of the leaf first we used to do that so then it had the leaf had just no points and then you would sort of yeah kind of tear it along either the stems or the veins and uh, yeah, i agree it that great. it's a fun activity i just haven't done it in a while and i one thing i do do is when i'm at work at school and i used to do this when i was in school it's like when i'm walking in the hallways i'll like high five stuff like if there's like a beam or like a pillar that sticks out of a wall, like I'll high five it or I'll like hit like a locker on the way by or like whatever. And at one, this one school I teach at the way that the doors of the classroom are is it's almost like a, it's not a hallway, but it's just like a small, it kind of juts out the edges of the door. So you can go by and you can hit both sides of it. So I would do it like an up top down low, like hitting the top (laughs) and then hitting down low. And I was doing this all the way down the hall and one time, and I do this all the time. And then one time, I guess, like a teacher buddy <laughs> was behind me. He's like, are you high-fiving the wall? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I think he thought I was just a complete psycho. I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, I'm always high-fiving the wall. I'm just, it's doing a great job. <laughs> that was well, like the only thing to- I could think to say. And he definitely <laughs> thought I was a complete clown. Well, we used to, back when I was a young, young uh, teen... Uh, at like two to three o'clock in the morning, we would be, we would sneak out of the house and anytime we saw a stop sign or a speed limit sign, we would jump up and punch it as hard as we could and then take off running. Cause it sounds like a gong. And that right. was always a good time for me. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. And I loved doing stuff like that when you were a kid, cause you thought you'd get in trouble for like punching a stop sign, but like no one really cares, but that is totally no. like the type of thing you would do where you'd hit it. And you'd be like, oh, shit, we like we made a big noise. We punched government property like the cops are going to be after us immediately. And you'd like run away. But really, as you get to be an adult, you're like, who would have ever cared that we were punching a stop sign? Right. It's like it's like when you're a kid and you rip a dollar in half. 
because I, I don't know what they say in Canada, but in the United States, they say it is a federal crime to deface yes. money. Yes. So we would just fucking, I would get like a dollar in my hand. I'd just look someone in the face and rip it in half and be like, take me to fucking jail, dude. I don't give a shit. <laughs> That's unreal. We tried to I... counterfeit money one time. When I was a kid, we one time we tried to counterfeit money and it worked. We spent it and it was great. It was good times. I mean, like we counterfeited a 20 and we just went to the store and bought snacks. When we... I think we were like 14. It was just like one of us had a printer and we were like, dude, you could just print a $20 bill too. I don't know why more people aren't doing that. And that's so also another it. situation where it was like probably a corner store you went to all the time. And the guy obviously knew it was fake, but was just like, ah, oh, whatever. Like These kids think yeah, they're getting yeah. away with fun. That's fine. Let them have it. Just the worst fucking kids of all time. Just the worst, most. I'm surprised we didn't kill somebody thinking it was just like a funny, cool joke. <laughs> Wouldn't it be hilarious it if be... Jerry died? <laughs> <laughs> Pro, I, I mean, I, I hear somebody saying that. Yeah. Oh, uh, for sure. I mean, like I was such a straight laced kid. Like the idea, I wouldn't have even considered counterfeiting money, but I do know about the I think it's a rule in can I, I don't know if it's a rule in Canada or not because I don't think we care as much about stuff like that. But um in uh I know in America, I read a book about this actually. There's an artist in the States called Boggs and he draws uh dollar bills. He's like a really, really good artist. So he will draw bills and part of his like art is that he then uses it to buy stuff, but he tells the person in advance and then this becomes like the whole art display. So what he'll do is he'll like, he'll draw like a, yeah, let's say he draws like a $10 bill and he'll go to the store and he'll buy like a bag of chips with it. And then the receipt from the purchase, the person who accepted the bill holding like the art or whatever, holding the bill, the change, the bag of chips when he's done eating it, all that stuff that becomes like the art piece. He like frames it all. And he's like, this is, and then, so he was doing this for a while and it was all like the people knew it was happening. He wasn't trying to counterfeit anybody. He was just like, I draw these, I draw these like exact recreations of American money. And then he started doing art performances and the, the government like find him and like tried to like shut his art shows down. And they were like, you can't, that's like counterfeiting and you can't, try to recreate money and he was like but i'm not it's like art and they're like yeah but it's money and it was like so the it, he wrote this whole book about how the government like chased after him and a lot of people are probably turning off the podcast but it's a really interesting book right. it's only like 120 oh, I, pages and it was very it was just like a very interesting way a, a very interesting look at how the american government values things like that like money and also it seems kind of like Guns are sort of in that, I feel like, in that territory as well, of just like things that America weirdly values like that. Right. I, I mean, I had a buddy who was a, a big time, big, this guy's like heavy drug dealers, uh, like travels to Arizona or travels to Mexico and gets it across the border, drives all the way across Arizona to Ohio and, and like, you know, people come and get it from him. He, he was like high up the process. And uh, somebody that he he sold weed to bought it with counterfeit money. 
And then he took that money, not knowing it was counterfeit, and spent it. And um, he almost went to jail for like five years just because he tried to spend money that was counterfeit that he didn't know was counterfeit. Yeah, yeah. But then he did end up going to jail for five years because he got busted <laughs> smuggling Selling weed. drugs, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it all comes around. and So so I guess with, with that, it would be that he was probably spending so much of this counterfeit money that they assume that he's like producing it if he's kind of spending it all around town or whatever. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I, I, I just remember it was like 220s and, and like he said he out of the fucking grocery store and just got he he got swarmed like later that night like the fucking guy you know he didn't even know he was doing it and then the cops show up at his house later that night then he's fucking talking to the secret service and all this shit he was just like i don't want nothing you know you imagine you're a fucking drug dealer that has probably 40 pounds of weed at your house maybe Maybe it was something like that, some some crazy amount of weed at your house, and the fucking secret service shows up. I don't even know what you have, what goes through your mind at that time. <laughs> like, it nothing sounds good. terrifying. To nothing me. good. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Nothing good is going through <laughs> your mind at that time. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll run. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I know. It's um. It's the cool part about that is um. Just following the law. Like, I've never really had to think about that at any point in my life. So, um, that's no yeah. fun now. <laughs> I'm not very fun, Brian. I think that's sort of the whole, that's sort of what I'm trying to get across here on the POD cast is that I'm not, oh, come on, John, I'm not a whole fun. lot of fun. No, I know, I'm joking. You're fun. You're a fun gentleman. <laughs> so, about Kid Rock. Yeah, let's do this. Uh, let's oh. do this album. We're doing Kid Rock. Uh, Brian, yes, you look very, you got a big, I got some news. I got some news. Oh. I think I think I'm going to a festival in Septembre. Oh, are and you I was going to that you... one that I sent the uh, poster of no, to you? That one's ten hours away, but there is one, and I wanted to give you a little bit of a uh, a buddy of ours is playing it. Uh, Trivium's playing it. Oh, so, okay. Uh, nice. Me and me and Brett are going to go down there and and hang with Paulo, but uh, um. Listen, the, the whole lineup isn't announced yet, but it has got some bangers. Okay. It might be better than that one you sent me, John. Well, I'll that one that was right like now. really good headliners, but very weak undercard. So yeah. I could see, I could see a festival being better just because like that one for reference was the one it's in Wisconsin, I think. Uh, is that yeah, right? I think I and can get like, that one up too. Yeah, one night is being headlined by Corn. One night is being headlined by Limp Bizkit, and one night is being headlined by Metallica. Yeah, and one of the nights is Corn. Like, I think, think like one the of the nights is like Corn and night, Stain. Corn, I think. No, Corn and Danzig. It oh, was Corn and Danzig. Right. Yes, Corn and row. Danzig. And I was just yes. like, "Fuck! I need to see this show because yeah, I right. would love to see Corn, Corn followed and by Danzig." That's now this one. This one it is is called the uh, the Blue Ridge Rock Festival in Virginia. Okay, it's September 9th, right? And uh, it's not all the way announced, but we got ourselves a Breaking Benjamin in their only festival performance of 2021. Oh, good to know. We so better we better get to 
Blue Ridge. <laughs> yeah. Limp Biscuit is going to be there. The nice. LB, right? Megadeth. Uh, for those of you out there that like these guys, Rise Against okay. is playing. Not a big Rise Papa Against Roach. Oh, Papa Roach. Oh, baby. Playing Infest in its entirety. Okay. Plus greatest okay. hits. Uh, yeah. They have, yeah. Um, do they have them past that? That's a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to. That's a little bit of a misnomer, I feel like. But we'll go. With I it. know. Well, I mean, when you once you finish playing last resort, you've played your greatest hits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that's not. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, we've got six more songs. (laughs) I think what happens is, though, they play Last Resort twice. No, I think what (laughs) happens, though, I think what happens is when you say you're going to play an album pillar to post, you know, you don't want to like people to think they're not going to get to hear the like other songs that you made that they might like, because if you're a big P. Roach fan, you probably want to hear other stuff than yeah. than that album. Well, and when I, you go to one of these, no, go ahead, John. Okay. Well, I was just no, going to say I, just... I went to see. <laughs> We're both too cordial. I went to see Incubus. Uh, they they did Make Yourself just before the pandemic happened. They were they were touring Make Yourself, and what I thought was weird is they did like it was a Make Yourself plus Greatest Hits. But then they played so much stuff off of their like newer albums. And it's like you have a whole audience of fans here that are presumably fans of your earlier stuff. Like they only played I think they only played one song off of Morning View. They only played one song off of um, Science or maybe two songs off of Science. And so it was weird. (laughs) They played like four songs off of A Crow Left of the Murder. They played like a, a bunch of like new stuff I'd never even heard. And it's like, these people are here for Make Yourself. Like, maybe just stack the rest of the set with tracks from Science and Make Yourself and let's call it a day. But uh, yeah, right. I th- so I thought that I was mean, a little a- bit weird. And and I think that, like, these whole album shows uh, have some stinkers on them, too, because a lot of albums have a few stinkers. Sure. As we know, the only sure. perfecto we've ever reviewed is Science. Uh, so uh, Cypress Hill is going to be there. Okay. Sure. Um, for for you metal people, we got Gojira and Mastodon. Um, where are the other ones? Uh, Trivium, who are are good guys. Body Count, Pod, performing Ooh. the multi platinum album Satellite in its oh, entirety. Baby Reggae Jam, you are gonna get to see <laughs> Reggae Jam live, dude. <laughs> I know. Ah. Trust me. That's the first thing I thought. I was like, bro, <laughs> reggae jam live. <laughs> seven, seven dust is there. Oh, uh, there we go. You know, not a big draw to me. But here's one for you, John. A Treyu is there. Oh, I wasn't. An, I was not an Atreyu guy. What about I've all seen that them. remains? No, too heavy. Those bands are too heavy for me. I never got into those. From bands. ashes to new. I've never even heard of them. Oh, uh, well, you know, uh, um, but yeah, dude, I mean, yes, it's this is not one. Like, this is one day. No, this is just the full sort of thing. But Steve-O is also going to be there. Oh, too. well, Limp Bizkit and Steve-O. It's a combination. Right. I but, would love to see Limp Bizkit again. I, the, I only saw them on Summer Sanitarium. They were so good. Um, I would love to see them again. But there's also one, two, three, four, five, six, 
seven, eight, eight like middle range bands and two headliners that haven't been announced. Now, I think because the package that's touring the United States all year is Metallica two nights in a row, there is a chance it could be that. Now, another thing it could be is Corn and Dancing, who also. Or, or stained who also are showing up on a lot of these tours so yeah. i'm pretty excited man and yeah, you know that'll be good if 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 we if i get there i'm gonna go and i'm gonna try i'm gonna get fred durst on a podcast and i'm gonna contact his people and see if i can Let's get go. a hold of his people That'd because be i want to meet the guy i want to just be his friend you know, I just want yeah. to be his best friend. Told my wife she could have a hall pass if she wants it. With <laughs> I mean, he's got the beard now. He's looking, he's looking pretty good these days, you know. I know. She was, like, grossed out by it. I was like, I'm not going to, like, sit in a corner and jerk off and watch or something. I just... <laughs> I, <laughs> I just, I mean, if you and him disappeared for a little bit, I wouldn't divorce you, I guess. It's just a courtesy I'm doing for you. Yeah, right? that's nice. Yeah, yeah, I respect that. That's that's very <laughs> Heat O'Brien of you. I can tell you've watched a few episodes of Real Sex now. You're just like, ah, four. If you guys happen to disappear, you know, you pick Fred Durst's key out of a bowl. Uh, you know, we'll just see what happens. <laughs> I've always felt like the hall pass plan is, I, is stupid or hacky or whatever, right? But I have also always felt like it would be a hundred times more interesting if you got to pick your partner's hall pass. <laughs> then you got True. something there, I think, that's really yeah, nice. Something's, like, something's I'd be clicking. Like, yeah, I'd be like, honey, you can have all the sex you want with Glenn Danzig. I'm fine with it. <laughs> She's like, uh, can Jonathan I have an, is, Davis. is there like a second hall pass that I can get? <laughs> <laughs> You're like I don't, Jonathan uh, Davis. I'm yeah, fine Jonathan with. Davis. She's like, oh god, um, th- three maybe. You're like, okay, fine, Fred Durst. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe. Uh, yeah, that's good. I mean, maybe you know a- another person you could give a hall pass to is Kid Rock. Uh, we are discussing ostensibly <laughs> the uh, Kid Rock album "Devil Without a Cause." Uh, su- surprisingly, this is Kid Rock's fourth studio album i think a lot of people think it's his debut album because this was obviously the one that launched him uh but it is his fourth album it was released on august 18th 1998 brian do you know of the two other landmark new metal albums that came out on august 18th 1998 oh i thought you're gonna ask me the names of his earlier albums and whether i've heard them and yes i have uh 1998 i would guess significant other came out that year nope that was 99 oh shit yeah they did have that song 1999 yeah uh life is not life is peachy no follow the leader follow the leader also came out on august 18th 1998 and oh god give me two seconds candy ass Candy ass. That's right. Those three <laughs> albums all came out on the same day in 1998, which is crazy to think about in retrospect. Uh, but yes, this album was recorded over a span of nine months from 1997 to 1998. 
and it uh, sort of saw Kid Rock move away from his predominantly hip hop sound into uh, uh, a rap metal, hard rock, new metal type sound. And this was obviously a huge commercial success. This album has sold 15 million copies worldwide. It is certified diamond in the United States. It sold over 10 million in the United States. It's gone four times platinum in Canada, silver in the UK. Uh, it peaked at number four on the U.S. Billboard 200 and ended 1998 at number 15 on the U.S. Billboard 200. So an absolutely massive album for Kid Rock. It spawned six singles. You may also not you may also not know this. Bawit Da Ba was not the first single released from this album. Welcome to the Party was the first uh, first single released from this album in July 30th, 1998 followed by I Am the Bull God in November of 1998. And then Ba Wit Da Ba was not released as a single until April of 1999, followed by Cowboy in August of 99 and Only God Knows Why in October of 99. And in January 2000, almost 18 months after the album came out, Wasting Time was the sixth single that came out from this album. Uh, it was recorded in Detroit, mixed in L.A., and, uh, you know, it was a pretty huge album. Brian, what was your history with Kid Rock? What was, were you a fan at the time? What was your sort of uh, impression of, of him and of this? Buddy, I was a fan before the time. I got into Kid Rock really fucking early. Like, early to the point where I saw him at a club here in town called Mecca. Um, he was late to the show. So these poor, th there was this opening act with these like, you know, local rap, white rap guys. Right. And they're up there rapping and, uh, he's late. So I assume somebody was like, Hey, we need you guys to like stretch. And, uh, I think this opening act played for 90 minutes oh, and, uh, no. there were probably, uh, this is being generous. 30 people at the show now closer to 20, I think, but since uh, I'll just say 30 and, um, some of those people weren't even there to see kid rock. They were at the club to dance for the EDM <laughs> music, the rave music. And then they would pop in during kid rock and then like walk out looking disgusted while he was playing. But, uh, that motherfucker played that show like it was Woodstock 99. It was, I know that is it, like they say that about Axl Rose too, like where it was like if there was one person in the audience, he treated it like a fucking stadium. But Kid Rock, like, really did. And we had been listening to Devil Without a Cause a lot in the lead up to it. Uh, because, like, I just, the first time I heard this album, this was like one of those experiences, John where it felt like somebody was writing about my life. Uh, uh, it, as a it just, pimp. I had never, yes, as a pimp, actually. Yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> but I mean, like, like there were parts in the album about dropping acid. There were parts in the album about doing Coke. There were parts about shrooms, uh, smoking Winston's. Uh, just, it was the, the, the kind of, for lack of a better term, white trash, like redneck thing, like, right. It really drew 
Redman because I didn't ever want to be considered a redneck at that time at all. But I felt like I knew a bunch of rednecks and I was friends with a bunch of them. Right. And it just it blew my mind that somebody would be proud to be a redneck type of guy. So, I mean, I saw this guy. I saw Kid Rock so many fucking times in concert. I I watched his career kind of grow. I think I got out of it right after the American Badass album, whatever that was. History of Rock. Yeah, it burned fucking bright, John. Uh, uh, Oh, I believe the way that I love this guy and and like was wet when Bob with the came out. It was it was just I couldn't fucking believe. Cause I had already heard it. I, I, my brother bought the album the day it came out because it had devil in it. And we knew that it had rap type stuff in it. So yeah. he bought it and brought it over. And I just remember sitting in that fucking apartment, that shit ass, uh, two bedroom garden apartment that six people lived in. And we all just sat there and were just blown the fuck away by this album. So, I mean, also, he was one of the highlights of Woodstock 99 for me. And uh, I, needless to say, Devil Without a Cause is one of my it's it was an important album to my life. Right. So when you got into Kid Rock, like you said, you're into him early. Like, was this you had albums before Devil Without a Cause came out or you just sort of knew who he was in the lead up? to devil without a cause coming out because there are a couple songs on this album that were on his past albums. Um, I am the bull God was from an earlier EP called fire it up. And then the album closer, which we're going to get to black chick, white guy was on early morning stoned pimp, which was the album that came out just before this one. So were you like, you weren't really super familiar, but you just kind of knew this guy was coming. Is that sort of what you're getting at? I don't, I don't, I would love to ask, uh, uh, Jason, he's the producer for Street Fight. I would love to ask him why he bought it. I'm sure he doesn't remember at all why he bought it, but uh, he 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 just bought it and brought it over to the house, and we all sat around the radio and fucking lit to it. It was twisted. It's such a weird fucking thing for a bunch of people to do when you think about it now. Like right. where it was like it sounds like some fucking Teddy Roosevelt ass shit that we all <laughs> sat and fireside we, chats with Kid Rock. Yeah, we just got super stoned and we listened to that thing over and over and over again. And I, I think I'll say this too. I think I knew Ball with Taba was gonna be a big hit. I, I really did. Yeah. I would so when you when you talk about this show that you saw Devil Without a Cause was out, but like Ball with the Ball mm-hmm. hadn't blown up yet. Like he hadn't blown up yet is what that's the sort of time frame. Yeah. And and like, dude, he stood outside the door as people walked out and shook people's hands as they left. And fucking nobody even asked for his autograph or anything. They just were like this, you know, fuck this. And, and I, I even was and I was like an autograph kid. I had like all the Deftones autographs, all of Corns and all of Limp Biscuits autographs. But like he just at that time, it was like, hey, man, you know, I really respect what you're doing. But, you know, 
you're probably right. not going to go anywhere because I just saw you with 20 people and I can't believe well, you even played the show. Yeah, I mean, in those situations, it's almost like you it's weird because having been on that side of it where I've done comedy shows for not that many people or even for like a full house, but a full house is like 100 people. If someone asks you for your autograph, you don't feel you're like, well, I'm not famous. Like, why would you want my autograph? Even though you're happy, you're like happy. Like, whoa, someone cares enough about me to ask for my autograph. But then at the same time, you're like, yeah, like this is not, you know, it's just a weird interaction. So I can understand why in that moment you'd be like, even if you did kind of deep down want his autograph, I can also understand why you'd be like, nah, I'm not, I'm not even going to bother asking. Well, I just didn't, I don't know what I thought that night. It just, maybe it was cause it really was the least people I've ever seen at a concert at that period of time. I didn't realize that people did live shows for 25 people until I started, you know, doing live <laughs> shows. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's fair, really. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think I would I had to have been at least like a year and a bit into going to concerts when I realized like not every concert was in an arena. You know, like sold out. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, John. I was just gonna say I I thought you were I figured I figured all shows were basically sold out. Like they if you didn't get the tickets in the first like five days, you weren't going to be able to go to the show right right yeah no that that makes total sense i mean i think for me kid rock was always like uh he was a he was always weird to me because i think for at least where i grew up you know I, i've talked about this before like i obviously loved corn and limp biscuit and there were other people at my school who liked them but it wasn't like a cool thing to like them there wasn't like a it wasn't like a massive group of people that liked corn and Limp Biscuit. I would say with Lincoln Park, that changed a little bit. I would say there were like, you know, quite a few people at my school that liked Lincoln Park. But like corn and Limp Biscuit, what they weren't like really that big or popular. So to like them was already, you know, you're already sort of treading on thin ice. And then for some reason, I think Kid Rock seemed like even a bridge further than that. Like it was sort of like, he was kind of almost a joke in a way. Like it was sort of like, Oh, this guy, like the chorus is like ba with the ba to bang to dang diggy diggy. Like people were like, that's a, that's not like, he's just saying nonsense words. Like that's not even music. And I remember I always liked ba with the ba. I always thought it was a great song, but I would like, I wouldn't like, that's not a song I would have playing on my stereo when I rolled into the high school parking lot. Or like if I had friends in my car, I was not going to have ball with the ball on the stereo or whatever in, in a way where I wouldn't have minded having corner limb biscuit on the stereo, but kid rock for whatever reason, it, I don't know why, but he just kind of, he seemed like a bit of a joke to people in a way. Yeah. I think I, I, I also, I, I mean, the, the reason I think I fell in love with him is because he's a Groveport ass. Like, musician he was just writing about shit that i had seen for sure all throughout my life like these things these these like i said smoking a winston drinking a 40 and like trailer parks and mosh pits and uh acid all those things like 
And it was so cool to hear a guy say that, hear a, a new metal guy say, hey, I like doing drugs because they didn't even fucking, you know, none of the bands were kind of doing that. And also, if you were into only new metal at that time, you'd be hard pressed to find an album that you could play at a party and everybody would be happy and having a lot of fun. Yeah. But this album was actually fun. It wasn't fucking depressing and it wasn't sad or angry. It was just a fucking dude having a hell of a time. I, it was such a breath of fresh air at the time. Yeah. So, and, and also the other thing is, and I was, my wife and I were talking about this before we recorded this show. And it was like, listen, a lot of the albums we review on the POD cast, I I would say more so on the bonus shows are fucking repetitive, just fucking a dingy, repetitive, uh, uh, sometimes a bummer. Sometimes it kicks ass. Sometimes you like the thing that they keep doing over and over again. This album to me it's not repetitive. The songs, there are songs that are just wildly different throughout this whole thing. And the first time I heard it, that was a huge draw for me because I, I didn't listen to other music at this time. I wasn't into anything that wasn't firmly new metal or Pantera. Only Pantera in the metal part. I didn't like Metallica. I didn't like Megadeth, any of those. I liked Pantera and then only new metal bands. So yeah. this album was the only party album that, I mean, unless you wanted to play like all in the family over and over again, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I hope you wouldn't, but yeah, I think like what you're saying is almost, I think that's sort of the difference between you and me maybe is like, I grew up in a more like middle class to upper middle class neighborhood. And maybe that's, sadly kind of where some of the bias against kid rock came from that he was sort of this like white trash kind of guy i mean i don't know i was 13 when this album came out so for me to like critically analyze what was going on in my brain is i don't know but i just yeah i, I think maybe that was part of it and i think too it was a lot of you you knew more about him i think like, you know, like with Corn and Limp Biscuit, they obviously like Jonathan Davis and Fred Durst are like iconic front men and you know who they are, but you didn't really, like you said, they didn't have songs that were about taking drugs. Like Limp Biscuit would talk about having sex with groupies and stuff and Corn would also a little bit, but Corn was mostly just like sad music for sad teenagers. And Limp Biscuits was like sort of party music, but, but also not at the same time. Um, and, and you didn't know a whole lot about them outside of that, like them being party animals or whatever you, you know, you didn't necessarily know. Whereas like kid rock. Yeah. You, you would listen to it and you'd be like, Oh, this guy is just like banging groupies, doing drugs, getting drunk. That's like his whole thing. He's just kind of a rat, you know? Um, and so I think that's maybe what sort of permeated my like <laughs> understanding of kid rock at the time, but it's, it's interesting to go back and listen to it. Cause I think. I mean, Ba With Ba is such a good song. Like, it's such a crazily good song. Like, I don't know that you could make a list of the top 10 new metal songs that would ha not have it on it. I mean, I think it's just like, it perfectly encapsulates so much about what new metal is. And um, 
I wish there was more of it on this album. I think that's where this album kind of falls apart a bit for me. It's not that I don't like this album, but yeah, it's, it's interesting that you talk about this album being played at parties because that was the other thing I thought of. I've never listened to this album cover to cover before this recording. And I was like, this is cookout music. This is like what you would put yeah. on at a cookout. And we don't have cookouts in Canada. We don't call them cookouts, but like, to me, it felt like a uniquely American, this is music that was made to be played outside on a janky boombox while someone is grilling burgers and everybody's hammered on Miller High Life and just like live in the dream. Like that, that is totally, I got like halfway into this album and I wasn't loving it, but I was like, I see what this is doing and what it is doing. It is doing very well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of it, there are things in it that maybe aren't that don't hold up as well to like later listens. I think there is a lot more filler on this album than I remember, basically, because when I listen to it now, I only listen to the songs I fucking like Uh, this. This album has a decent amount of filler, like songs where it's just like you could that one off i could i i'll i'll tell you what well the songs are so long like that's the other thing too it's like it's not only a filler song but it's a hip-hop song that for some reason is five minutes and 40 seconds long and you're like this is not you could have chopped two minutes you could have chopped this whole song off the album but if you couldn't chop this song off you could have at least lopped off a verse or two for the for the fans (laughs) right and and like a song like like First of all, I don't like I am the bull god, but I think I don't I'm either in the uh, minority on that one. No, I don't like that I don't song dig either. that song. There's no, something either. Yeah, I don't know what it is, though, because people love it. Yeah, but um, a song like F- fuck off or where you at rock. Uh, uh, I am the bull god fist of rage, which fist of rage is a new metal song. So For sure, I-, I just sort of feel like I would take off most of the stuff that you would call metal on this album, I'd probably get rid of. I mean, I'll keep Ba with a Ba on it because it's good, but uh, uh, I think the other songs are more interesting, I guess, than that. Um, not metal, for sure, I, but I also don't know if, like, I don't know if every song has to be heavy, and I also don't know if, I don't know if it's wrong in new metal to just do kind of hip hop songs either. I mean, I don't know what people consider ICP, but they get lumped in quite a bit. I mean, that those songs aren't metal or or a song like In Together Now by Limp Biscuit, not a metal song. So, I mean, this guy just meets the requirements, I guess. And, yeah. and I got to also well no, go, John, because I was well, going to say gonna... something for later. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I would say, yeah, Bawa to Bawa is really the only song on this album that scans as new metal, I think. Um, you know, and I in a weird way, it also feels like Cowboy is kind of new metal to me, even though it's not, obviously. Um, and it's weird. People credit like that song with launching like country rap, like big and rich and I guess Lil Nas X owes a debt to Kid Rock. Like, 
I didn't even think about it in those terms. But for some reason, Cowboy feels sort of uniquely new metal to me, and I can't explain it. It obviously doesn't have like crunchy guitars. It's not heavy, but there's just something about like you could hear Limp Biscuit doing Cowboy as well. Like they're just they're just something yeah. about it that feels new metal to me. I just think that like if this whole album was variations on Ba with the Ba, it would fucking kick ass in my opinion like i just think it would it, mm. it would explode man i mean because i think kid rock had a unique uh, a unique style for this type of music um that kind of no one else really had and i don't know that he ever really i mean after ba with the ba and i guess american badass which is essentially a metallica cover kid rock doesn't really do new metal in a way like i think a lot of people lump him in as like a new metal artist but he's not really doing that i mean you know there's a really interesting quote in one of the articles he has and i mean he's being a prick in the in the article but he talks about how he uh he said that he wrote ba with the ba because he heard corn do that stuff and it's really easy he, he felt like you know oh i saw what corn was doing and i thought that that would be really easy and he said that he wrote cowboy and um only God knows why, so that he could have a career, uh, which I thought was a very interesting, uh, <laughs> like it, it's, it's kind of like such a strange way of putting, I mean, it's obviously a very like braggadocious way of putting it. Um, but it's kind of like right in a way, like it's very, I don't know. I'll, I'll find the exact quote. You can, you can keep talking and then I'll find the exact quote. I mean, it's he very, can't it's very do- apt, but it's like, you know, he, it just seems like, he felt like, oh, I can corn's getting huge. So I'm just going to dip my toe in new metal, but I'm still going to keep doing the things that I want to do. And it's hopefully that's going to sort of go well or whatever. I got it, John. He was uh, uh, he's talking about his kid first, but then I was like, this has got because oh, yeah. his kid got dropped. So I'll read the whole thing. Rocks rapping and flashy turntable skills earn him a deal with Jive Records. But his 1990 debut album, the straight hip hop grit sandwiches for breakfast tanked. He added rock riffs to 93's The Polyfuse Method. He calls it a drug record. He started growing his hair out. And on the strength of independent sales and packed shows, he was signed to Atlantic in 1998. By then, Rock was a single father. His girlfriend, Kelly Russell, gave birth to their son, Robert Ritchie Jr., whom Rock calls Jr. when Rock was 22. He was pretty much dropped off at my door at six months old. You raised this fucking kid, says Rock. I was like, this has got to work. So what's popular? Corn? I knew I could do that shit in my sleep. But let me throw in only God knows why and cowboy so I can have a career. Which is like interesting because I don't think he's doing corn on Bawa Daba, and I also don't think doing corn is easy. Uh, but it, it's it. I just thought that quote was very funny because what about this album strikes you as hard? Because to me, none of it does. The rhyming is quite lazy. It's very like just basic couplet rhyming the whole album. Like, which is fine. It just don't say shit. Like, don't say like ah. Oh, Ba with the ba, that was easy. You know, the rest of this was hard. It's like, well, you weren't making complicated music, my friend. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I would say that he was doing something. uh, It's one of those things where he was doing something that nobody else was doing. 
And he does deserve like in the same way we give corn credit for inventing a thing that nobody else was doing. I mean, Kid Rock got got like got put in that he was put in that world, although it seems like he was trying to get put in that world. For sure he was. (laughs) Yeah, he he was was like he literally says what was popular. I'm just going to do what is popular. And he's done that his whole career. I mean, Kid Rock is so interesting where he has these albums that are like mostly this sort of country fried hip hop. And then he has just massive singles that aren't that. So Bawa to Ba is not that. Only God Knows Why is not that. Picture is not that. Uh, the Sweet Home Alabama kind of thing he did, whatever the fuck that was called. That's not oh, I that. I love that so like, song. So like, uh, th- so the, the, so that's the thing is like, no one knows any of Kid Rock's hip hop cuts. No one. No one's like, God, I love Welcome to the Party, Ode to the Old School. Like, no one gives a fuck about that song, even though that was the first single off of Devil Without a Cause. Like, I just think he's this strange guy where he's massive. He sold so many copies of records, but like, he's really only known for like four or five songs, which is interesting. And I mean, I guess that's true of a lot of artists, but. You know, and he kind of he said that in one of the articles as well, um, where he he shit on Beyonce, where he was talking about like how he couldn't understand. This was a tweet that he got in big trouble for, but he was saying that he like couldn't understand how Beyonce had a career because she doesn't have a signature hit. He's like, can anyone name a Beyonce song? Like she's one of the most famous people on earth, and she doesn't have a signature hit. Which maybe that was before Single Ladies or Crazy in Love, or you know, I mean, Beyonce has massive signature hits, but like. That's what his point was like. I just only have signature hits. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's a good living if you can get it. But it's just interesting that he seemed so set on doing this sort of countryish hip hop thing. And he never but he, he never got popular off of that. None of his best songs are that or his most famous. Songs, no, I should say. Well, I, I would say. So, I, I, I think his most. I'm trying to figure out what his most famous song is. I mean, all summer it's long, picture, it's played for sure. constantly. It's picture, right? It's got really. I think I don't know, I think man. So. Cowboy might be it, really, because people I don't know. say I want to be a cowboy, baby. Like that's for part sure. of the lexicon, for sure. In places, so I I, I don't know. I, I'll say this. I guess we can go through which songs. I almost want to go through the whole list, but I'll just read the one. I'll get you through to some of the ones I dig. Uh, Number one, John, you made a comment to me earlier, too, that the album's too long. It is too long. It's too long. It is. Okay. Well, it's 71 minutes long. It is not the longest album we've ever done. Right. But that doesn't mean it's not. That doesn't mean it's not too long. (laughs) Hmm. Is it around the fur too long? Well, okay, Around the Fur is cheating because the hidden track on Around the Fur is 35 minutes long. <laughs> and and like oh, 13 minutes shit. of it is silence. Hold up. I better I better uh I don't think that's true actually. That is true. Uh, around Around the, the Fur is not Spotify, 70 If yes, it's, it's got, 74 minutes, my dude. Yeah, with the really long track at the end. I don't think they do the really long track on uh on Spotify. Let's see. Oh shit. <laughs> You're right, man. 
Yeah, I think like Damone or whatever okay. is like 28 minutes long. Um, so just for reference, I don't know if the charts mean anything, uh, but Picture peaked at number four on the Billboard Hot 100 and all summer long uh, peaked at 23. But that's my jam, though. But all summer long peaked at number two on the adult top 40 Billboard chart. So it's hard well, to say I'm which a, one is I'm bigger, but the the singles, the single of all summer long sold almost a million copies. And I don't think he released a single of picture. So there's not like single, but it doesn't matter. I mean, the bottom line is those are massive songs. Either one you can make the case is, is a bigger song. I don't know. I think picture is probably bigger, but that's also because I, I hate all summer long. So I don't think of it as like, a so, uh, Chocolate Starfish in the Hot Dog Flavored Water. That that's album too long. is 75 minutes. Yeah, that's too long. 75. That's still too long. I that's... probably said it was too long when we did it. It's a long album. It's but too I'll say long. This. <laughs> the average. Now, with this, with this fucking Deftones thing, it really fucked everything up. <laughs> but the average. The average length of albums that we do on this show is 52 minutes it's too long 50, <laughs> so this isn't that long this isn't that what? long okay. really so it so, bangs it just keeps banging no but see i don't agree first of all i don't agree that it keeps banging i think the middle section drags and like i said earlier the songs are too long themselves like so here you go so ba with the ba fine cowboy fine but here we go devil without a cause 532 i am the bull god 450 welcome to the party 514 only god knows why 527 fuck off 613 black chick white guy 1201 like they're not all i'm saying is like 12 all i'm i mean it's an interesting 12 i don't know if i would say it's a great 12 a powerful 12 all i'm saying though listening to that song no you that's true you can't it's it it draws you in for many reasons but all i'm saying is like it the, the these are songs that are this long with like no change like the song is just the same the beat is the same it's not like it's an eight minute song like stairway to heaven that has like five different parts and and, and like key changes and time signature changes like it, these are five and a half minute songs that are just a beat and kid rock rapping over the beat that's too long for that type of song in my opinion and you know what really fucked me up bry is uh is robert Criscow, who's you know one of the most famous music critics of all time uh he actually liked this album which is crazy to me like yeah. Every time I look up, uh, uh, every time I look up an album we do on Wikipedia, Chris Gow is always quoted in the review section, and he does not like new metal. He hates new metal, and he likes this album. But even he says that the songs are too long. Uh, he, but he, but this is his review of the song, which is crazy. He says, "I wish this illegitimate son of a man would stop pretending he's a pimp." He tours so much, he can't possibly provide the necessary continuity. That's his only problem with it. Uh, but not since <laughs> Great is. Motorhead has there been a hard rock album with so many laugh lines. Quote, I don't like small cars or real big women, but somehow I always find myself in them. 
Belatedly fulfilling the rap metal promise of license to ill, he makes the competition sound clownish, limp, and corny, respectively. And the Eminem cameo is yeah. a draw. His flow is surer, even if his sound isn't. Licking pussy underwater, blowing bubbles up your ass. He is, and I quote, <laughs> all of that and a bag of chips. That was the review. He, I mean, and then in another review, he album- talked about how he, he thought every song was a minute too long. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll i give you that. Some of these songs are a bit too long. Uh, but but I think Devil Without a Cause is a good five minutes and 33 seconds. I don't think that's a bad length for that song because that song fucking kicks ass all the way through. It's got. But this is what I'm saying. It's a cookout album, Brian. This is like an album where you don't care how long the tracks are because you're not fully paying attention to how long they are. Like when I'm putting this on to review it for an episode or I'm just listening to it in my headphones, the songs are too long, but I do get it. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not even saying the songs are bad. Like I'm not saying, oh, because this song is so long, it is now automatically bad. I'm just like, if the song was three and a half minutes instead of five and a half minutes, it would be even better in my opinion. I'm going to concede that. I will let you have that. Thank okay. You. Thank you. You don't often just let me gonna, have things I'm gonna, on the show, uh, so I appreciate it. I'm going to let you have an opinion. Okay, <laughs> that opinion wow. is fine with me. It means it's so much okay. to me, Brian. It means a lot to me. I mean, I, I. Here's the other thing. I knew you were going to be prejudiced against this album, much like you're often prejudiced on this show. But uh, you know, we, we talked about this on the bonus feed, where you know you have a prejudice against Crazy Town. We all know you got one on System of a Down. Uh, uh, And you just, you came into this wanting to shit on it, John. That's what I think. That's how I feel. That's not true. I don't really feel like you'd do that. I don't feel like you'd ever do that, John. No, that's not true. I knew I was going to hate Crazy Town and I hated it. I mean, I definitely had. Well, here's, okay. So here's the thing for me. Here's what I will say. If we're comparing this one to Crazy Town is. Let's do that. I really liked Butterfly when it came out. Like I rem- in my mind, if if you had said to me before we listened to Gift of the Game, if you had said to me, "Do you like the Crazy Town song Butterfly?" I'd be like, "Yeah, great song, great new metal song, glad it exists. Good song." And then when we listened to Gift of the Game for this podcast, I listened to Butterfly, I think first before I listened to the album. And I was like, oh, no, this song is bad. Like Butterfly has not (laughs) aged well. And I was like, this song is bad. And I was like, we're in big trouble. If I don't even like the single from this album, we're in big fucking trouble. I knew I was in trouble, Bri. So that's why, like going into the crazy town, I knew I was going to hate it. Kid Rock, I still know Ba with the Ba fucking goes in. I actually watched, I rewatched the Woodstock 99 opening. I mean, that is as good as it gets, as good as it gets in rock and roll shows. You got his band kind of fucking around for like three and a half minutes. Uncle Cracker sets a record for the number of times you can say fuck in three minutes. He's getting the crowd all going. You see everybody out there and it's the perfect time of day. Like, I'm so glad Kid Rock wasn't at night, like him being in kind of like the middle of the afternoon. It's hot. People are naked. Everyone's having a good time. And the band is like fucking around for about three and a half minutes. Then the opening of Ba with the Ba starts. He walks out in a white fur coat with a with a cane and he just 
oh, it is so good. I mean, it, it's just as good as it gets for rock performance. So I knew I still liked Bawa Daba. I knew I liked Cowboy and only God knows why. So going into this, I didn't think I was going to hate it, but I wasn't sure what to expect. And then I think it was just more hip hop than I expected. I think it was just like a little bit more straightforward yeah. hip hop than I was sort of expecting out of it. And that's just not my genre. Like, I just don't I just don't love that music. So it, it I like I think this album is fine. I think that the big songs are really big. And what I would say about this album that I think Kid Rock does so well is like this album is almost like less of an album and more of like a character piece. Like he just establishes <laughs> himself as like, I'm this guy. I am the early morning stone pimp. I'm a fucking cowboy driving in my 57 Chevy with the top down. I'm just a, like you said, he speaks to the people of Groveport, Ohio. Like he just, you know, you listen to this album if you by the time you get to the end of Cowboy, you're like, I know everything about this guy. I know everything about him. And it's awesome. It's like a cool fantasy of a man. It's like this sort of twisted American dream of like this Wild West guy who's, you know, I don't know. It just that's what I really like about it is I think throughout the whole thing, he's selling you a character rather than selling you music. It's like, this is what I'm about. This is the guy that I am and you're going to like it or you're not going to like it, but I'm, I'm coming for you, you know? And, um, yeah, it, it's like he says on this, I'm going platinum. He said that before he even went platinum and then he went diamond, you know, it's just like, I don't know. I, I think that's what I really like about it. And I, what I appreciate about it is that he went into it with a sort of ethos and he like this album pulls it off. It's like everything on here. If you like kid rock, if you like the idea of kid rock, then this album is easy to love. I think. Right. I mean, there are some songs I, I, I would like to just, I'm going to tell you which ones I, I just love on okay. here. Cause I think that is kind of, uh, uh, because it'll show you that. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm high on it because I think the highs are super high. Sure. Well, I think the lows are very low. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. I, I, I like Ba with the Ba. Sure. I like Cowboy yep. a lot. I think you Cowboy have to moves. like Cowboy. I mean, Ca it's Cowboy's just a great probably, song. I think it's better than Ba with a Ba probably for me. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I just don't think a as a song it's as good, but I can understand why people would say it's better. But for me personally, Bawa to Bawa just gets right into the like pleasure centers of my brain. Yeah. Devil Without a Cause is a thumbs in the middle. Not I think bad. That, yeah, it's, it's, it's got Josie. Yeah, I like Josie. Now, I am the bull god. Terrible. Yeah. It's, it's like I don't care bad. It, it, it is like bad Alice in Chains, John, is what it sounds like. It sounds like if somebody was trying to do Alice in Chains, but they did it badly. That's what right. I am the bull god sound. I think like I also me. felt too when I was listening to this, he's like, so Bawa Daba sort of sets up this kind of character. And then he's like, in the next song, he's like, I'm a cowboy. And then in the next song, he's like, I'm a cowboy who also doesn't care about the rules. And then he's like, I am the bull god. It's like, we already know what you are, man. You can't have another I am thing. You've had three songs already where you're like, I'm all I'm all these things. It's like, yeah, we get it. We don't even know what a bull god is. Stop this mess. <laughs> 
So right. that was kind of how I right. felt I, about that too. It's like we already get it. You said you're a cowboy. You said you're you know you're a uh, you're a early morning stone pimp. Whatever. We get it. You don't need to be more things. <laughs> I like roving gangster rolling. I like that song. Uh, it's maybe not the best. It's a thumbs in the middle. You know, yeah, I'd say wasting time. Wasting time is probably first of all, it's the first song I fell in love with on the album. Uh, I I uh, I loved that song. I thought it was a really good when song. We first that, that one is the best Ye- of the that's the best of his like pure hip hop songs on this album, in my opinion, is wasting time. I right. Thought, I, I thought that one was actually I remember- good because I thought I was with you. I thought Devil Without a Cause is fine. And then you got I am the bull god roving gangster. So it's sort of like 13 minutes of song in a row where I'm sort of like, eh, <laughs> you know, like it's good, but it's like it's fine. And then wasting time came on and I was listening to it on the way to work in my car. And that came on. and I was like, oh, OK, this is a good like I'm I'm back in. This is I'm, I like this. Right. It's the white trash song. It's it's the most accurate white trash song ever made. I think <laughs> like it, it is. It that whole song feels like my life until I was like, <laughs> I don't know, 30, probably. Right, <laughs> so right. it just feels that way. Welcome to the party, I think, is one of the funniest songs of the new metal era. Uh it's I don't think it's it's funny in the same way that drop in plates is to me. Because to start a song like this to, to be like well my name's kid rock i'm a capricorn and detroit city's where i was born you're just yeah. like buddy i mean too late and then at that one point in the song when he's like uh a goo goo gaga i got a lot of thoughts <laughs> yes just like oh my god he was dude. just he was he and was I, trying to do this like this like 80s hip-hop pastiche but it was like not good it's like that the the reason the rhymes were rudimentary is because no other hip hop music existed at the time. Like it wasn't successful. Whatever he was trying to do, he he didn't get there. But I like it and I find it very funny. I just, there's something funny about that song. I got one for you. Not a bad song. Could have been a single three minutes, 44 seconds. And it's inoffensive. In a way, yeah. I got one for you. You know, not it's, bad. It's somebody's fine. Yeah, that feel one was this. fine. I didn't love that one, but it was fine. I feel like somebody's got to feel this as a new metal song. It's in the same vein as Ba with a Ba, and it's it's not a bad song at all. Uh, I think Fist of Rage sucks. Is just a terrible fucking song. That's one yeah. of the ones I would knock off the album. I would cut it. So now sure. we're looking at. I would have cut. I am the Bull God. Fist of Rage. Uh, 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 maybe roving gangster. I don't really know. Rolling, yeah, you could. Cut I don't that, know. I, think. I mean, and definitely then, you were cutting. Where are you at, Rock? For sure. So that gets us down like oh, twenty God, minutes. Yeah, and then we're getting. Then we're gonna. I, I don't mind right. fuck off just because you get the like. Eminem feels like genuinely shocking on it because like I didn't because yeah. the song on Apple Music doesn't say featuring Eminem. So when I was like listening yeah. to this album in my car and Eminem showed up, it was, like, so shocking because it was just, like, oh, wait, Emin- wait, what? Eminem's on this? And it, and you could tell it was, like, early Eminem where he was really doing that, like, uh, Marshall Mathers LP cadence. Like, it sounded almost like my name is, but, like, on this other, like, 
it was like just cool. I just was like, it felt like uh, just a weird history, just a weird point in history where I was like, this is, yeah, it felt very cool to me. So I would keep fuck off just because of that almost only. I don't even think the song's necessarily that good, but just that sort of surprise appearance of Eminem makes the song feel like vital in a way. Right. Now, only God knows why is probably in my top three favorite songs might even be number one. I love that fucking song. I think it's one of the best songs ever made. It's a great song. I I mean, just this motherfucker. And no one was auto tuning at the time, right? Like that was cool too. Like, like you're like, Oh, this is a, no one was auto tuning then. And it it just sounded or like not exploit. Obviously lots of people were using auto tune, but they were not using it to pitch shift vocals and stuff. So that was, that was almost interesting too. Cause only God knows why is one of those songs I've heard, you know, a hundred times, but I haven't heard it in a while. And I haven't obviously done like a focused listen of it. And the auto tune was all, I've almost forgot auto tune was on it, you know? And now that we're in mm-hmm. this era where so many people use auto tune to this effect, it was like, damn, was this sort of the first time people did that? Like, that sounds really good. I'm just, I'm sure it's early and it's so fun. It's just such a great song. Where are you at rock gone? Basically because yeah, of gone. the, the, the voicemail message part, the answering machine. Oh, I hate God. that. So dumb. where he's like, all of his people are calling him, And then like uncle cracker calls him and is like, Hey, we got these fine honeys. And then kid rock. Go, oh, Hey, I'll be there in a minute. You know, fuck my mom. I'll go hang out with these chicks. Stupid. And then number 14, the song black chick, white, guy i'm keeping it i'm keeping it on the album and here's why it's one of the worst songs we've ever covered on this show most certainly i mean it is i mean you can just start with kid rock uses the n-word so there's already that we're already he uses the n-word so we're already just in that territory of you know uh yeah it is so for those of you who didn't listen to the album uh and are unfamiliar with this it is a it's a song about Kid Rock's first love, uh, the 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 woman, the mother of his son uh, that we were talking about earlier, Junior. And he basically tells their sort of coinciding life stories. Um, and it is the, the funny part of it is to me that he seems to be kind of by like calling it black chick, white guy. And then the first the opening lyrics are. Black chick, white guy. Does it mean shit? Maybe. I don't know. But yo, it never phased me. And it was like, I think this was his version of being woke in a weird like, I think the reason he titled the song that and talks about how she was black and stuff. It was like he was trying to be woke, but the song is so racist and so misogynist, even outside of using the N word, like the lyrics are fucked I mean, they're absolutely they're so offensive. I mean, so this is the so he talks the opening, the opening um, sort of, I guess, stanza opening verse is just talking about, you know, nothing crazy in in there. Aside from the line, his dick was metal. Her pussy was a magnet. Um, And he's talking about and he's 13 years old in this because he says they're in they're in eighth grade when this happens. So he's 13 years old when he's describing it that way. But he's yeah. So he he meets this black chick. His words, not mine. uh, And they, you know, they have this sort of on again, off again, elementary school, high school sort of relationship. And then and it's like whatever. It's not cute. Cute's the wrong word, but it's kind of just a like origin story. It's all fine and whatever. 
And then the second verse is insane. Uh, so this is how yeah. it starts. He says, now as time went on, the two kept on. They kept seeing each other off and on. See, she moved to the city and you know what happened? Black chick with a real white accent. Pretty girl in the ghetto. Go figure. Yeah, she got macked by some dope dealing N-word. Still seeing that other kid on the side. She kept most of her thoughts inside. See, all the first guy did was just love her while that punk motherfucker used to beat her and punch her. She was living all wild. I think all she ever wanted was the love of her own child. She asked the first guy to have his baby. He looked at her like she must be crazy. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> he was making records and going on tour. 20,000 people hip hopping on the floor, which Brian, you said <clears throat> you saw him with 30 people. Oh, my throat just totally gave out. <clears throat> this is what happens when I'm forced to read Kid Rock lyrics. God, only God knows why. He's striking my throat right now. He's like, stop reading these lyrics on the show. Uh, <laughs> but then, yeah. And then she said, uh, he says, and all that while she sat at home and got macked. If she stepped out of line, she got slapped. And then one day she prayed to the Lord to take that guy away. And he did. He got caught with a loaded gun and went to jail. But first she had his son. And then it kind of like goes on and on from there. Uh, but yeah, basically, I mean, it is <laughs> just... You talk, Brian. You analyze this because I, I can't handle this. It is one of the most offensive songs I've ever heard. And I have heard some offensive songs in my day. Uh, I'll, I'll tell this story. So I had always been kind of obsessed with this song because, first of all, listen, it is almost 13 minutes long. And yes. um, every... It's filled up all the way. The whole 13 minutes is filled. It's not like there isn't like long musical interludes or anything like that. It's the fucking whole song. He's rapping. It's long as fuck. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, he uses the N word, but also it is like a 90s white guy trying to describe stuff in a very it's offensive it's it's like i i oh, don't know so if i offensive. thought it was offensive in the 90s but me and brett were on the road uh at one point and i was like hey have you ever heard black chick white guy and he was like no i don't i've never heard that song and i was like let me play it for you and he, his fucking jaw dropped for 12 minutes he just he couldn't oh, believe the song yeah the yeah. later so this is the uh uh yeah the girl didn't even know who the father was and still by her side the first guy stayed kid rock is the first guy head getting more yeah. fucked by the day he stuck it out for nine months i don't know why and then a little girl on the fourth of july was born in the front seat of his car it was amazing kind of like a shooting star he was happy told his family and friends only to realize later his little girl wasn't his and that crushed him quick suicidal thoughts were in his head real thick but before he found all that out from the same chick, another kid popped out and that shit's real ill girl <laughs> told him that she was taking the fucking pill. She must have known all along. The little girl wasn't his and she was trying to latch on three different kids from three different men. History repeats itself again. And after some more shit got stirred, got stirred, he kicked that bitch to the curb. Ugh. I mean, it's just so bad. I mean, I feel bad even reading that. It's not even my own words. I'm like, oh, my God, it's just so insane. And like he talks about it in the articles. So he sort of did 
he was sort of in those other two kids' lives, the first two kids that she had from other men. And then she had the third kid that he found out was his. He uh, applied for sole custody of his own kid, which he won. And he basically like told the other two kids to like fuck off, which they're not his kids. So like fair enough, I guess. But it's like also just strange that he's that vindictive. Um, He apparently sued the girl for child support when he was famous because he was mad that he was taking care of the kid and like oh my i mean it's just ugh. i, I mean kid rock's I think a bad she guy sued obviously him. i'm not telling yeah but then he I, won i actually I think. think she she sued him and he won but he made her child support 25 dollars a month i believe right. was was what i oh, read so he was being uh, like a nice uh, guy i was reading it more like he got child support from her while he was rich yeah it was 25 bucks i think maybe the court is made him do that he was i think he i don't think that like for all that you can say about him and there's a bunch of bad shit to say his politics are just abhorrent and like also everything about his politics are just hideous and gross and uh you know it would be one thing if he was just a dipshit that didn't vote but you know he's donating money to guys like to to these right-wing fascist dudes so you know fuck him but it does seem like he's like a good dad although i do think that you have a responsibility to stay in a kid's life if they think of you as their dad for more than like you know for for like if it's an infant and they don't know fine whatever you can be like i don't like that kid whatever i don't care (laughs) but like if the kids know you as your dad and then you find out you're not their dad uh you should stick around for those kids i think think i've always felt that way you can't just leave you can't just leave kids it's such a heartless thing to do and this song comes off like he just was like oh she's not mine well i don't need to do nothing with her then (laughs) yeah but well and just his like general like he he sort of blames the kid too in in one of these articles this is from 2015 pardon me the article is called the killer inside kid rock and and this is what we've been sort of referencing so far it's a rolling stone profile and so kid rock uh this this whole like three paragraph thing is just wild like i agree with you i do believe he's like maybe a good dad but he's also just like he he's a father in the way you would expect so he says rock contends he could have made a lot more money during his pop peak at the time he was going through a custody battle with russell which he settled in 2000 rock says he charged her 25 dollars a week in child support and he only toured on weekends a week okay Yeah. And he says, I'd be driving the field trip Monday after I banged like four hookers, he says. Well, not hookers, but, you know, four nice girls (laughs) on a Saturday night in Cincinnati. And then he uh, quote, he knew I was wild. Rock says of his son. I didn't hide any of that, but it was kind of our dirty little secret together. He saw girls come in and out, which probably wasn't the healthiest thing. I tried not to do it too much, but fuck, I had a dick and I was famous at that time. You know, I can only talk about this now since he's 21. I wish I could have talked about it then and said, hey, I was wild, but I showed up to work on Monday to be a father. Junior is now in his final year at Belmont University in Nashville and is pursuing a music career himself. A couple of weeks from now, Junior will become a father. Quote, he really is a great kid, says Rock. That's my best accomplishment by far. 
I'm nervous for him because I know it's a lot of work, but he's got a good girl. I'm excited for him, but he's got to give up a lot of shit to take care of that baby. I said, you know how your friends are telling you I'm fucking rich? I fucking am. You're not. And if I wrote you a check, it'd be doing a disservice to you. I'm rooting for you, but I need to stand on the sidelines and watch it go down. I hate that. I hate dads like that. Cause I got to tell you, dude, if I was fucking, if, if I, let's just say I'm not rich, but I'm famous. I'm going to do everything I can to make my kid famous. If she wants to be famous, like pull yeah. all the strings, you know, because, because the thing is when you get to a point where you have any notoriety, a lot of times that's all you have. You don't have uh, a kid rock probably can't give a reference for an insurance company for his kid to work at an insurance company or, or get him hired on somewhere as Bob Ritchie. Um, but he can like hook him up in show business if he wants to. I also think that if you're rich, you got just let the kid fucking let the kid live the life. What's the point in being rich is how I feel. Totally. If you can't like let your kid be scuzzy for your whole life and like sit in Hawaii and like fucking do charity galas or something. What's the point in getting rich? Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's yeah, especially if you have a kid already, like as you're getting rich, you know, like you'd figure you'd want to like, I just think I think there are ways that you can be wealthy and give the wealth to your kids without fucking them up. Like, I get what he's saying. I Like, obviously, there are a lot of spoiled rich kids who, uh, you know, are have bad attitudes, but it's because most of the time anyway, not to make huge generalizations, but most of the time it's because their parents are like absentee parents they're helicopter parents they just give the kids money and they hope the kids figure it out whereas like if you're a good parent and you're there for your kid and you also like help them out a bit like i don't know i just feel like that's that's fine you know i i don't know it's just it's very interesting to me and i think it's part of it you know we often talk about these uh like these rolling stone profiles and bands like doing and saying things that they wouldn't do or don't believe or whatever like I kind of don't believe him fully either. Like I kind of believe that he's just saying that because he thinks that's what makes him look like a good guy. Like, I don't believe he's handing his kid thousands and thousands of dollars probably, but like, he's not going to let this kid suffer. You know, he might be lazy too, though. Sometimes parents will be like, Oh, you know, uh, I'm not, I, I'm not going to, you know, throw the baseball with this kid, you know, he's throwing it with people his own age. And it really just is like, I don't want to throw the ball with this kid. <laughs> like, and maybe Kid Rock doesn't, maybe he is greedy, I guess, but it seems like he gives money to everybody. Yeah. From that's these like articles. one of the things they're talking about. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, I, you know, I have to say one of my favorite pieces of these articles from the uh, Kid Rock is a, a killer. Is that what it was called? I, I did the killer save inside the article. The killer uh, inside Kid Rock. I like this. Rock sometimes seems like a right wing politician catering to his base. I will say he seems like that. A hundred percent of the time. <laughs> yeah. And in retrospect, <clears throat> in retrospect, he, that's exactly he what he's doing that way. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, black chick, white guy was catering to his base. I'm sure. Oh, God, I'm fucking 100 percent positive. There's a lot of like guys that love that song for all the wrong reasons. Oh, playing it no for their question. kid. Like, no hey, you question. know, this is how it could have been. Um, He won't play Europe or mainstream U.S. festivals, but yeah. he will play SeaWorld. <laughs> such a good line like that really describes kid rock very accurately he won't tour europe or play big rock festivals but he will play sea world his so fans love it when he shouts things like fuck radiohead on stage or mm-hmm. attacks mainstream pop he's flabbergasted by beyonce worship beyonce to me doesn't have a fucking purple rain but she's the biggest thing on earth how can you be that big without at least one sweet home Alabama or old time rock and roll? <laughs> By the way, old time rock and roll is a shit. I hate that song. That's, old time it's rock also and roll like, reminds me of. No, go ahead. <laughs> it reminds me of Born to be Wild. Oh, oh yeah. Not, or dun, Satisfaction dun, dun, by dun, the Rolling dun, Stones. Yeah, totally. And I think the thing, too, where is you're like, just like, I don't No, That's no <laughs> one's favorite Bob Seger song. Right. Like no, no, no one is like, I love that. That's my that's the best Bob Seger. Like at least with Bob Seger, there's like six or seven or eight other awesome singles he has that he's known for Hollywood Nights and Turn the Page and Night Moves. And like he's got such an extensive catalog of hits like it's not old time rock and roll didn't make Bob Seger's life like, you know. Right, I can't even imagine, and I say this about a lot of songs, I truly cannot imagine that somebody puts in the Bob Seger CD or types Bob Seger on Spotify and listens to old time rock and roll. I don't think anybody listens to that song on purpose at no, this point. In the definitely world. not. It's. It's like Satisfaction by the Rolling Stones. Yeah. The Rolling Stones have such fucking bangers. Totally. I never want to hear Satisfaction in my whole life again. Play fucking anything from the good Rolling Stones times. Let it be Exile on Main Street. Let it bleed. Mm, Messed that up there. Exile on Main Street. And uh, 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 what's the other good one that they have? Well, there's uh, painted black. Fingers. Give me Just shelter. Play... Yeah. Well, I mean, those three albums are so. Perfect. Oh, albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I fucking, I, I, I bet you don't know this. I'm a big. I love those three Rolling Stones albums. Probably better than it. It's one of like eight classic rock things that I actually like. Right. Is three Rolling Stones albums. David Bowie, uh, the Velvet Underground, uh. And that's about it. Real the cars. I just sure. I don't like a lot of that stuff. But um, also, why the fuck does Beyonce? Why does Beyonce have to have a purple rain? Do you know how fucking hard it is to write a purple rain? <laughs> that is really who like has a purple like, rain. Not hey, that many people does- have a purple rain. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Why does everybody fucking like uh uh why does everybody like this person? It's not like he's written a thriller. It's just Yeah, it, uh, that makes me wonder which of Kid Rock's songs he thinks is his purple rain. 
That's what it makes me want. Does he think only God knows why is his purple rain? <clears throat> well, because be I have honest, news for you, Kid I Rock. Think only God's. <laughs> it is. It <laughs> is. Congratulations, Kid Rock. You've made a purple rain. Oh man! And then I'll this go is... on a stage and say that. This is really so. Yeah. So Kid Rock talks about this article. Really was bizarre. This one was from 2000. So this is like right when he blows up. This is his cover story uh, in Rolling Stone. And uh, it says the the low times and the high life of Kid Rock. And I'm actually impressed for the year 2000 that they're calling Kid Rock out on this. But his answer is so bad. Uh, So it says the, the interviewer says it would be fairly easy to point to a strong streak of homophobia in what you do. Kid Rock says, uh, no, I don't think so, which already is a big, he's, he's used the F slur in multiple songs. He says, I think it's just something more fun for me. I'm definitely not homophobic, but at the same time, I definitely don't want to dick anywhere near my ass. Weird way of phrasing that. I guess in a sense, maybe people would, sorry, go ahead. Well, what I want to say is at this time, Eminem had written a bunch of homophobic songs yes. too and was like, I'm not homophobic. I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, it's very strange. So he says, I guess in a sense, maybe people would deem me homophobic for the way I talk, but that's the way they deem me a lot of things because I use straightforward words, you know? I'm not politically correct. I don't use the term African-American. I don't use all these terms that are supposed to be right. I say black, white, F-slur, Shit, goddamn, fuck, pussy licking, finger fucking, hoe assed cunt. You know, it doesn't matter to me. It's Most something that's just fine. kind of fun to to me. Uh, and then and then the guy says the or the interviewer says, but to just use the word f slur, which is not a neutral descriptive word. Kid Rock interrupts. We got a call from the fucking Irish something in New York since I said the word Mick in the song Cowboy. I said, fuck you. If someone doesn't like being called an F-slur, sorry I called you an F-slur. But you know what? I'll probably do it again. If you take that much offense by it, look, one of my really good friends is gay, a guy in Detroit. Excellent friend. Really, really close friend. He's always said to me, I don't give a fuck what you call me. I laugh and keep going. I know who I am. Uh, And then, yeah, and then he says basically that. Uh, yeah. So, but even if you're confident that you're not homophobic, there may be plenty of people buying your records in whom you may be encouraging the most rampant homophobia. I don't know. I'm not going to take that responsibility, man. I'm not going to have that weight put on my shoulders by anybody. You get that call every day from somebody you're influencing a lot of people. I was doing the same shit when I wasn't influencing people. I don't know. I'm not good at this type of shit. I didn't get into music to no offense, but to answer my thoughts and views on being homophobic and everything. I don't know enough about it. It's not something I have a problem with, but I speak my mind. If the F slur rhymes with bag, I'll probably end up using it in a song. I know who I am. I'm not a killer and I'm not a fucking goofball. I'm fucking a good father and all these things, but I'm not going to change all my shit around because someone might take it the wrong way because I might start a spark. I might. I'm not fucking Jesus Christ here. In case you haven't noticed, (laughs) we look the same, but it's not me. He, I mean, he's right. One thing he's right about there is that he's not Jesus Christ. He's definitely that not Jesus Christ. That is a correct Christ. statement. That is I think very true. I was pretty surprised about that, too. I I do. Uh, I, I'm going to go back to that first piece we were talking about. The, uh, yep. the killer inside. The killer inside. Yep. This part, I think, is the best. It's after 2 a.m. 
Most guests have filtered out. One woman has passed out on the couch. But Rock, who's been up for nearly 24 hours, seems to get more energy as the night wears on. He makes a drink at the bar, stocked with American badass beer and Jim Beam, and sits down on a bar stool by Greg, a husky guy in a camouflage visor. Ross, Rock asks him what he thinks of unions. It's good for the working man, Greg draws after some hesitation. But people take advantage of it, right, Rock asks. You're one of the guys. I can see you worked your ass off for it. You go into work every day and you work your ass off and see these motherfuckers who are taking advantage of it. Which, <laughs> there was another time during this conversation, and I didn't cut that piece out. But he's also talking to the guy about the times he's gone over to Afghanistan. And he's like, I mean, if you could go over there, would you go over there to the guy? And he's like, yeah, I'd even make my kid go over there. And it's like yes. Kid Rock was pulling at Aaron Lewis. He was over yeah, there Kid Rock saying, was like, yeah, like, if you got to like, I would go too. exactly. Everybody's got to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. But it, not it's... everybody gets to play ball with the ball when they go over there. Some people just get killed. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and it's also like he just he the whole like union thing. It's like you have you're you don't work like what are you what would you know about unions? You know, like the idea of it's just a very like layman's idea of a union. Oh, well, you guys that's just you take advantage of that. Probably don't you? You you know, I mean, so. it's really it's really the opinion. His opinion on unions is not the layman's explanation. It's the Mitt Romney explanation. Yes, there's a part in here where he says that he knows Mitt Romney and he's really excited about most decent guy. No, Mitt Romney's a piece of shit and uh, probably told him he probably I can't I you got to figure that Kid Rock, he spends a lot of time with right wing people like pundits and shit like that and uh, gets fed all kinds of shit. He probably says to them, hey, a lot of people in my audience think unions are good. And then Ann Coulter tells them why they're bad is (laughs) is probably where all of that stuff comes from. He's like Trump. People used the thing that people used to say about Trump was that he firmly believed in whatever the last person that talked to him told him. Right. That was all the extent of all of his beliefs. And I believe that Kid Rock is pretty much the same guy as that. I think he's had an axe to grind with what he perceives as political correctness uh, since the beginning. It's very obvious with the devil without a with the piece we read for the piece we had to read from 2000 that he already had an axe to grind with political correctness. Yes. And whatnot. But uh, I, he is just the perfect guy for them to l- latch onto. He's the perfect for sure. guy for Republicans and Trump people to latch onto because well, he the, makes like, music for their base and everything. Well, and it's crazy. Like he, so the that the the one we've been quoting the most, the article we've been quoting the most, the killer inside Kid Rock from 2015. They wrote a second article about it because they were just like, yeah, Kid Rock's got so much stuff in here. (laughs) 
So the, the, the other article, it's from the exactly the same time period in 2015. It just is 21 things you learn hanging out with Kid Rock. And so, pardon me, obviously this reporter went and hung out with Kid Rock at his house. And then he was like, oh, actually, there's all this other stuff that happened that we couldn't fit in the main story. And I love this one. He shits on Limp Biscuit, which I think is really good. Um, one of the things you learn hanging out with Kid Rock, Limp Biscuit showed him how not to treat roadies. <laughs> rock was the opening act for the rap rock crew in the late 90s. And I always told my band, you see how Limp Biscuit treats their roadies and shit? We don't do that. I was like, these people are helping us. They're not trying to harm us. We're all working together. And then we saw Metallica and they treat their people great. We want to be like them. We want to treat everybody good. Don't spit on people. Don't throw microphones at them. Don't get pissed off. We want to go a long way. And that's not how you treat people. I had been in the trenches for a lot of years. I was like, let's not fuck this up by being brats. I'll be a brat on the stage. When we get the fuck off, we fucking treat them like they're part of our fucking family. And luckily I was right because that fucking helped. You see who's still standing. So he, like, that was fucked up. Blames like, Limp Biscuit's entire career failure to how they treated roadies. <laughs> like, it is good that, like, it's good. I, that's a. It's good to know that Limp Biscuit treated them treated roadies <laughs> bad too. It's just that that's a little bit of knowledge I maybe didn't know. I I it tracks with what I think of Fred Durst in that era. That it does track. That he was not nice to anybody, really. Uh, I think one of my uh, one of my favorite pieces of that is. Uh, oh wait, yeah, it, that was uh, that's the part I cut from that thing. But also, in which ways are you a pimp? Because I'm smooth with the ladies. Because I'm, it's an alter ego, a persona kind of thing. I like to have fun with. It was always kind of funny for me to do stuff that was kind of. Not shocking, but to wear a hat, go around in a big Lincoln or a big caddy with spokes on it and have a few girls on your arm or have people dancing. It wasn't some sort of serious pimp. I sell girls for money kind of thing. <laughs> so I also like said that the same article, uh, the 21 things article. He said, <laughs> I like this one, too. It kind of goes along with the pimp thing. And this ties into you too, Brian. He says, uh, girls were always throwing themselves at us. It's just when we first, when we first put the record out, it was bigger girls in Southern Ohio and Northern Virginia. And then I sold tw 10 million records and I was banging supermodels, which I didn't have a problem with. <laughs> oh, like that he just okay. puts that out there. He's like, I was banging chubbier women. And then we got famous and then the women got hotter. It's like, okay. That cool, man. Thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> yeah, you got famous works, and actually. you could land better looking women. Crazy. So for the piece we read from 2000, there were some things in there that just plain thrilled me. And uh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's so insane. That yeah. For context, so this article there, they, they join Kid Rock on a spring break show in Jamaica. That's the context of where yeah. that interview is happening. Go ahead, Brian. So driving in a minibus to Kid Rock's Jamaican show, Kid Rock's older sister, Carol, undoes the braids in her hair as she does. As she does so, she talks about it and happens to use the word crimp. Kid Rock's ears light up. 
It's another word that rhymes with a pimp, he declares. Put that in your article so I can remember it. And then also, um, this part was just good to read. It's mid-afternoon, and they perform in the blazing sunshine. They play their hits and a few covers. Sublime's what I got, which I can only assume they played that because it's reggae and they were in Jamaica. No question. Sublime song. Kid Rock's like we can't. Well, there's an earlier part in the story too, where where kid they're they're on like a like a touring boat, and Kid Rock like asks the boat driver like, "Hey, Bob Marley's from here, right?" (laughs) Like just the most obnoxious like thing that you could ask a Jamaican tour guide. Like, oh, you got you must like Bob Marley, right? right yeah yeah well you know we gotta listen to bob marley and you know the guy that was driving the fishing boat was like oh my god bob like in the same way that i complain about satisfaction or uh any of those songs that's exactly especially uh, if the guy like liked music like imagine he liked music he didn't know who kid rock was they're like hey like a famous musician's gonna come on your tour today and he's like oh sick I'm going to get to talk music with a famous musician. Maybe he's going to bring up some like dance hall or like other Jamaican stuff that he might know. And then he's just like, you, Hey, you know, no woman, no cry. You heard that. Yeah. He also probably said to him, like, have you heard the band sublime? Oh, <laughs> I ought to play it for you. Cause I think you'll <laughs> like it. Have you heard this band POD? <laughs> they got a whole reggae jam you it's crazy it. man you wouldn't even believe it it's like bob marley but better <laughs> uh, uh i i like this uh it wasn't hard to fucking hang out in a crowd when i wrote that song he reflects no one knew who the fuck i was i just knew that was what it was gonna be like he laughs pretty good prediction nostra raucous <laughs> Just uh, calling himself Nostra Rockets is yeah. That's a good line for, well, for you, a guy you, like him. You tweeted the one too where he calls Obama Obummer. You know, it's just like this is just <laughs> a guy who's like not really funny, but he's famous, so everyone around him is acting like he's funny, and it's too much power for a guy like that. You can't you can't give a guy that much power, or he's just going to continue making the worst jokes possible. Right. And and then I want to read this because I think it is always important when talking about Kid Rock. You have to know his dad's rich. Yes, like which I didn't actually money. know his... this until I looked this up. He grew up like upper middle class. His dad owned a couple car dealerships. And yeah, like I, I was really blown away by that. I had no idea. I definitely did not think I... that Kid Rock was a rich guy. I do think you can take middle out of the upper middle class right. because guys that own dealerships are just actually rich. Oh yeah, you're right. Sorry. Yeah, he grew up this this part was just wild to me. Like this doesn't like this sentence is nuts. Uh so Kid Rock uh, blah 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 was born in Michigan. He was raised in his father's 5628 square foot home on a 6 acre property where he regularly helped his family pick apples and care for their horses. Right. That right. is not yeah. the sound like where Kid Rock was coming from. His younger so, sister, Jill Ritchie, is an actress. I wonder, I wonder how that happened. So, 
So uh, the the interesting thing here is that Kid Rock has created somewhat of an origin story for Kid Rock. Bob Ritchie comes from a, a mansion on a bunch of land in Michigan, and uh, uh, you know he he mows the lawn and stuff like that for his dad. But he, I I feel like he did this. This is a calculated thing. And I, I also, I don't know if it's true. It, I, I, I am very, I, when I did my mini series about Kid Rock, I kind of mentioned that I think this is bullshit, lore building shit for him. When he was about 14, Kid Rock was thrown out of his parents' home in, in Romeo, Michigan for the first time. He went to stay in the Mount Clemens projects with a friend who was a rapper and his wife and kid and didn't tell his parents where he was for three weeks. I think they were pretty freaked that I had moved into the ghetto. He said he worked at the 76 car wash, did some DJing, lived the life, fucking walked around drinking forties, man, eating pork rides, hanging out in the barber shop, riding the bus to Detroit to get records, hanging out with the guys selling drugs on the street. He went back home for the beginning of the school year, but ran away again the next summer. That was when he started selling a few drugs himself. It was great for money, he recalls. Yes, it is. Uh, although, do you know how many records you can buy with 200 bucks at $3.99 a 12-inch there? Uh, three for 10 bucks sometimes? He was selling crack, though not smoking it. Fuck no. It was a fucking sin to touch that shit. You touch that shit in the hood when you're selling, someone would beat your fucking ass because crack was bad. It was fucking bad. Don't ever touch it. It'll fuck your whole life up. Which this, I don't want to discount happen to him, I guess, but this reads like somebody who's watched movies. It, just a lot of movie. It has very movie experiences here. Because yeah, it doesn't seem Truck dealers. That's a rap song thing. The never get high off your own supply. Yeah. And it's also like if you're a rich guy who lives on a six acre farm, you don't run away to the ghetto. You run away to your next door neighbor's farm. Yes, You know what I mean? Yes, like it doesn't I, I mean... make any like he wouldn't be going to school probably with a kid who lived in the projects. I mean, maybe, but unlikely. You know, that kind of, so it's like, how would you even get there? How would you like, yeah, all of that seems unlikely. It seems like, uh, maybe he slept there one night and then he's like, yeah, yeah. My parents didn't know where I was for months and I, I ran away all the time. Like it just, yeah, he had a four, one night he had a 40 and some pork rinds and he kind of walked around with his buddy that he maybe knew. I don't know. the story doesn't track really well because how did he know these people in this neighborhood that he was obviously not from? Like, where did he meet these people? The internet wasn't a thing. Uh, yeah. He hadn't started performing yet. So I really feel like this story is bullshit and it was made to give him street cred. I yeah. just don't believe it. I and and you know, ICP has said that they didn't run into him very much when they were coming up. 
they knew he wasn't from Detroit. They they've made comments about Kid Rock's origin story that uh it sounds more like he was a rich kid who's who's like he tells at one point that his dad wouldn't give him money to do his rap career uh uh because his dad was racist or whatever. So it just feels like he made up a bunch of reasons that being a rich kid didn't matter for him because he did stuff that poor kids do for periods of time. So it, it builds a kind of credibility for him. And it, I hate that shit. And, and I hate that this is a guy without any kind of real discernible history that he just it's so flexible with him what his life was because sitting next to the pond singing sweet home alabama all summer long and fucking michigan which isn't one of those uh isn't one of those places where leonard skinnard is huge like people aren't <laughs> hillbillies no, he just and told people he Michigan. was a cowboy long enough that they believed it. When you yeah. when you tell people you're a yeah. cowboy for 15 years, then they're like, oh, yeah, he covered Leonard Skinner, of course, because he's from Alabama. I he doesn't even have to say he's from Alabama. Is. You just believe it. You're just like, oh, yeah, he's probably that's yeah. probably, he's probably Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, somewhere in there. Right. His past is this flexible fucking weird thing that. It, it almost makes him feel like an industry plant a little bit. And yeah, I don't think that's totally out of the realm of posi- possibility either. Yeah. I like, I don't some think albums bomb. Yeah. I don't think he's an industry plant in the sense that like, I don't, I doubt his dad was connected in the industry, but you can also kind of be an industry plant. If your parents are like funding your, your, career right like most people if they have three failed albums their music career is over you're not getting all these extra chances so you know it's it's something like that where i don't know necessarily that it's like oh my well my dad knew quincy jones uh quincy jones bought a car off my dad so i knew him and then he hooked me up with the head of this and i you know it's like i don't think it's so much like that but you know, yeah, when you, you know, we all grew up or I at least I grew up with guys and I still know guys that are just in bands and that's their job and they're not famous bands. And it's like, how can that that can't be your job unless you have something going on. So, yeah, it's uh, it's quite a it's quite a story and uh, quite an album. And we're here at the time where we should uh, give our, our final rating. And if you've never tuned into the show before, what we do for a rating is we do a tweet defense uh, so this is if someone were to tweet at us uh, that, you know, this album is bad. Uh, how many tweets would we do to defend it? And uh, Brian, I'll I'll let you go. Go first. What's your tweet score for this one? This is tough. And and I I I feel pressure to maybe even give this. Oh, here it is. I was looking for something. Sorry. Oh, fuck. I used to have all the pot POD casts scores but somehow they're gone so uh uh, i was gonna look through (laughs) them to try to figure this out but i think i think there there this is not a perfect album at all uh there's a lot of shit on here that sucks there's also songs uh welcome to the party would be one of those songs that it's 
open plates or reggae jam, all of those in the pantheon of bad songs that we've listened to on this show. It's funny. It's funny bad. So I give it a good song. I'll say it's a good song, but it's also funny and bad. Uh, I'm going to say I have to give it kind of a high score because it has some of my favorite shit ever on it. So I'm going to say a 17. 17 is what I'm going to say. Ooh, that's hype. That's high. That's high. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think, you know. No, I, I respect that. I mean, I think all the things I said before, I, I think it, you know, Ba with the Ba is genuinely one of the best new metal songs ever. Um, I think, like I said, I love that he creates this character and he's kind of still living this this life of his own creation that, uh, you know, he's been very successful with. I, I think Cowboy, Only God Knows Why are great tracks too. Um, so I'd probably go, I'll go six on this one. I think I would give this a, a six. I would go six tweets. Um, even though I wouldn't say like front to back, obviously it's not my favorite album. I'm not going to go and seek it out. Uh, but the singles are certainly good and, and I anticipate listening to them more times uh, to come. Uh, so there you have it. Uh, before we get to the end of the program, just a little reminder, you can donate to the show at patreon.com slash the POD cast. Of course, we spell cast with a K. And uh, over there, we do one bonus episode a month, one full length bonus episode a month and two singles every month last month we actually did two bonus episodes because we're just so cool like that uh we did an interview with sean dack who directed corn's alone i break video as part of an mtv reality show uh we watched that mtv reality show for a bonus episode and then we got to interview the guy who did it it was a super awesome interview sean was a great guy uh told us a ton of stuff about the whole video making process being on a reality show meeting corn all that stuff he was a really cool guy um, so that's up there. We also just did the Freddy versus Jason original soundtrack with Tony Boswell, which was fantastic. Uh, well, the soundtrack was terrible, but Tony was great and the episode was great. And uh, this month coming up, we're we're reviewing uh, another crazy compilation album. And uh, I think we've got a pretty special guest planned. We won't say who it is, but it's going to be pretty great. So check all that out at patreon.com slash the POD cast. And then you can also follow us on Twitter at the POD underscore cast with a K and you want to make sure you follow us there because that's where you can vote on who wins the challenges and you can vote on what album we cover in the polls. Um, and so that's what we're at now, Brian. Uh, this is the, the, the challenge portion. And I figured since, you know, you're a kid rock guy, uh, you know, this is a big thing for you. Uh, I knew this was a big album for you in your life. I figured it was only right to let you choose the challenge. And before we get to it, I will also say you're on quite a winning streak. You won again uh, last month. You won the Flyleaf Challenge uh, by saying that you would write a song about uh, Chris Benoit. Uh, so, um, yeah, you you killed me in that one. So some people went so far as to say it was the funniest bit that was ever done on the show. So I personally, <laughs> I was I personally thought it was you know very offensive um, and sort of like denigrating to the memory of the deceased. But uh, people did not agree with me. So. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. It was it was all in good fun, but we are now tied. We have 10 wins each and one tie. So you have made quite a comeback over the last few months, Brian. And and this is your challenge. So you you might even beat me in this one, too. What do you have for us? We are going to this is a very simple one. It's not as involved as a lot of them, but uh, it's going to be a song. We're going to make a song title. No chorus. You don't have to write anything at all. 
just a song title about your relationship with your partner, John. So just okay. a title, a catchy, snappy title. Okay. Well, I thought, you know, this is the Kid Rock Challenge, and I think this was inspired by black chick, uh, white guy. Um, so, uh, so I just, I thought, you know, what better way to do this than just parallel that song title. Um, so mine is, uh, is going to be uh, divorced woman, lonely man. And that is the name of our, uh, cause Becca was previously married. My fiance was previously married and, um, I couldn't hold down a relationship. So, uh, that's pretty much how we came together. Just two people floating in a, in a sea, but we, we found our way to each other and it's great now, but yeah, so that's my song title, divorced woman, lonely man. So my, I did the same thing, dude. I actually, uh, did the same thing and, um, this is my my song. Dip shit hot guy. So my wife's a dipshit. <laughs> I'm a hot guy. That's what you can get away with when your wife doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> That's the real problem. That's the real problem. I'm going to send that to Katie. You might win the challenge, but you're going to lose the war, my friend. Uh, <laughs> hey, Katie, we've never talked before. Don't no, Don't worry about how I got this number. Uh, but Brian, uh, he called you a dipshit on the podcast. I don't know if you know <laughs> this, but, uh, but no, that's, that's great. So there you go. Uh, usually we, we post a, a poll up on Twitter. You can vote in the challenge. So that is, uh, that's it. And, and before we go, uh, we are going to do the poll. Um, so every month, uh, we, we pick two albums. We nominate two albums, uh, to go up in the poll. And, uh, basically we just let you vote. You as the listeners get to decide what album we cover. So Brian and I will nominate two albums each. Uh, and then a couple weeks from now we'll post the poll on Twitter and you'll get to decide what album we review for July. Uh, Brian, do you have a, do you have a theme this month? What are you, what's your, what's your game plan? You've had a theme the last, I few do months. have a theme. Okay. I got a theme this go. month. Another theme. Again. Okay. All right. I'm not going to tell you the theme because you'll get it as soon as I okay. get the two band, the two albums out. Uh, okay. The first album I'm putting up is for the second time, Saliva, every six seconds. Okay. Wait. So, hold on. This is so fucked because last month I was going to put up Kid Rock, Devil Without a Cause, and you did it first. And this month, I'm not even joking you, we have uh, a new, very enthusiastic listener of the show uh, named Owen Nash, and he suggested, because he's a new listener to the show, he said, are you guys ever going to review Saliva's album every six seconds? And I said, well, we don't do it for, because he's like, is there anything I can do to get you to review it? And I was like, well, we don't do regular albums for a bonus episode. So for him... I was go. I'm not even joking. I have it up on my phone right now. I have his DMs <laughs> open because I couldn't remember the name of it. So I was going to nominate it on on Owain's behalf. So, uh, so good, Brian. You you read my mind. I guess. Fuck me. You know. Uh, I guess. So now I got to come up with another. So, you know what? For that, I'm going to punish you. I'm going to put an album I know you hate in the poll. No, I'm just kidding. I'll come up with something. Hey, good. Anyway, what go are you ahead. Do, man? So you're. Uh, so you're putting up saliva one, every six seconds. Yeah. And the next one is snot. Get some. 
Okay. We've had that up in the poll before. A little so theme there. Snot yeah. and saliva. <laughs> Spit songs. I was so proud of that when I thought of it. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, well, I'll be putting up the debut album from Phlegm. And uh, the... <laughs> I wish I there, there was a, ba- were more. a band called. I, I think there... there was a band called Flem. Was there? I feel like there was. Oh, but I'm I don't sure. remember. There has to be a uh, band there has called to be, Flem, right? Yeah. Um, okay, I'm gonna go. Uh, I mean, this is really. <clears throat> it's real tough. Okay, um, I am going to go with. Uh, so one, I know for sure I put it up on the poll last month. I, I just think this month was really tough because Kid Rock was always going to be a really tough one to beat, but this is an album that I think would be very funny to cover on the show. I'm going to, I'm going to put back up Evanescence's fallen. Um, and then I will also put up a band that we have never had on the show before that I think is great. And kind of, they're sort of that they're in that kind of interesting sweet spot where new metal was slowly sort of transforming into butt rock. I'm going to put up wonder what's next by Chevelle. So yeah, I was, Oh, oh my God, this is tough. <laughs> this is going to be a tough because I was just like, check it. I'm just going to put some shit on here that I know probably won't win, but is also, I mean, Saliva is going to be a bad album. But here's for what I'm sure. Gonna say. Thank you so much, John, for not putting a Seven Dust album in the poll. That's what I was going to do. I was like, when I, I got to punish Brian, I'll put Seven. But Seven Dust doesn't ever get close to winning. So it doesn't really feel fair to, yeah. to put it up there. So that's so those will be the four albums. Saliva, Snot, Evanescence, and Chevelle. It's going to be close, I think. I think it's going to be a close one. So again, follow us on Twitter at the POD underscore cast with a K. The poll usually goes up in the middle of the month. And then you get to choose what we do for July. You can also check out all of our bonus content. We do three bonus episodes a month. We do one full length and two singles over at patreon.com slash the POD cast. Thank you for listening. I think this is our longest episode ever, but Kid Rock just demands it. We had no other choice. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you here next month. Goodbye.